Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week, we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. We hope you find this message encouraging. This morning, we've got just a little bit of different stuff going on. And uh, we decided, Zach and Jonathan and I, just, we were talking about it. And it was time to do something a little bit different. And let me get up here in the light where I'm not. Zach says that's the campfire, Philip, where it looks like you got a flashlight under your chin. <laughs> so um, anyway, what we decided to do, Zach and Jonathan and I, is take one text. We talked about doing it several different ways, but we're going to take one text. And we are going to work our way through it, each one of us separately. And we did not compare notes until shortly before the service. So Zach's going to go first, then Jonathan's going to come in, and then I'm going to back clean up. So I told my wife, I said, I study harder this week than I did if I was doing a full-fledged sermon. Because I'm, I'm going to try to cover whatever they don't. And so I have tried to look at it from every angle that there is. So um, without further ado... We're going to do our tag team preaching. And now, for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! All right. Good morning, my people. How is everybody? Feeling good? You look good. You sound excited. I'm happy about all that. Okay, our passage is Luke chapter 15. We're all going to talk about that today, and I'm going to take you through it. I'm the first one, so give you guys a breakdown real quick. Luke chapter 15 begins with the religious leaders coming to Jesus and asking him a question. They say, Jesus, why do you hang out with bad people? Jesus then answers that question by telling three stories, the, the greatest trilogy of all time. Uh, he tells the parable of the lost sheep. Y'all know that one? He says, uh, a shepherd goes out and leaves all the sheep behind to find the one. Y'all remember that story? He tells the parable of the woman who had 10 coins and lost one coin and dropped everything she was doing and began to clean the house and didn't do anything else until she found the coin. And then she tells, then he, he tells the story that we're going to focus on today, what we call the prodigal son. It's a story of a father who has two sons. This guy's well off and he's doing good for himself. And his sons are of age. And his younger son comes to him and says, uh, Dad, I want my inheritance now. Now, I think we understand, but it's implied, basically, your father is nothing more to you than the paycheck you get when he dies. That's how he treated his father. His inheritance would have been, as the younger brother, one-third of the empire. The older brother eventually would get the two-thirds, but he got the one-third. So at this point, the father gave one-third of his empire to his son. That's tough on a family business to just give up one-third one of what you got. So the son takes the money... And he goes, and he lives the good life, the big life. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about this guy, well, Taylor Swift wrote three songs about him. So that kind of gives you an idea of what kind of life he was living. And he partied, and he partied, and he partied until the money ran out. And when his money ran out, his friends ran out on him. Then the economy crashed where he was. And as a Jew, he took a job of feeding pigs. But that's an unclean animal, by the way. Not just, like, dirty, filthy, but, like, unclean. He's living in squalor. He literally, the only job he has is to feed the pigs, and his only payment is to eat what the pigs don't eat. Think about that for just a second. So what does he do? He comes to his senses, Jesus said, and he goes back to the Father. And he says, Father, I want to work in your house. Just hire me. 
because the people that you have working for you have it way better than me. Just hire me. And in a beautiful way to tell a story, Jesus says that the father doesn't even, like, doesn't even respond to the hire me. Instead, he just puts his arm around him and says, it's time to have a party. My son is home. And he calls all the ser- servants. He says, get the food ready. Call T-Swift's manager. We're going uh, to have a party. And uh, Okay, real quick. Uh, the first time that I had the privilege of speaking in front of you guys was two years ago, I think, three years ago. I don't know. Time flies. And uh, Philip knows, knows, and any preacher would know this, I guess, any public speaker. In that first sermon, I set up a Taylor Swift joke. The setup where you, you, you say something and then later on you come back with a punchline. And it's funny because you all recognize what I said. Comedians do this all the time, right? A stand-up comedian will tell you a story about how fluffy their dog is, and it seems pointless. And then at the very end of the, of the set, they're like, fluffy dogs! And everybody's like, oh! So I set up a Taylor Swift joke three years ago. And I forgot to do the punchline that Sunday in the sermon. So I, I see you guys are counting my T-Swift references. There's a reason. I'm going to get it in this time. Okay, so back to our story. So the sun is out in the field, and he hears a coming from the house, and he's like, what's going on? And he asked one of the servants. He's like, you haven't heard? Like, your brother came back. So think about this for a second. The brother who did all the wrong is now in the house. Hate is gonna hate, 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 right? Partying. He's already forgotten about how he ruined the whole family. The good brother, air quotes, the good brother's out in the field, and he gets upset, and he confronts his father. And uh, he says, this isn't fair. I've been here the whole time, like I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to do, and you have never thrown a party for me and my friends. And the father says, no, son. Everything I have is yours, and you already know that. But we're celebrating today because your brother was lost, is now found. He was dead, but now he's alive. So we're going to break that down three different ways today. Let's, uh, let's open with a, a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to come into this house and to make much of your name. Lord, I ask that you would bless our time together. Uh, Bless Jonathan, bless Philip, bless the words that they have, bless all of our hearts, that our hearts would be good, open soil. Jesus, we do all this in your holy name. Amen. So, uh, um, every family has a a family dynamic, and um, families have traditions that are kind of unknown to the family themselves. This is what I'm saying, like, I'm not talking about every Christmas Eve we decorate the tree tradition. I'm talking about who wakes up the kids in the morning. It's a tradition. It's because it's an unspoken, well, I always wake up the kids. She always wakes up the kids, whatever. In, in my marriage, when, when we first got married, uh, we lived with my wife's parents, our in-laws. And um, that was really good for us for a couple of reasons to help us get on our feet. But the main reason is that uh, Bobby Corley and Mona Corley cook like it's Thanksgiving every day at their house. You know what I'm talking about? It was pretty nice. At that time, I have the job I have now with normal hours. Erin had a job where she had to work late a lot, like 8 o'clock and beyond every weeknight. So when we moved out and started our own place as we were making those preparations, I, I'm worried about, you know, getting the electricity turned on and getting the phone and da 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 Oh, somebody's going to have to learn how to cook. And it can't be Erin because she didn't get home till 9 o'clock. So I got to learn how to cook. Well, I have always, man, listen, I'm going to skip that story. Listen, the, the three parables, the, the shepherd is seeking, 
the woman is seeking and the father is waiting. And I know it's very specific what Jesus said, but the father's just standing there waiting. See, these two sons, had, they had it all wrong because they both thought that their seat at the table was based on what they did or did not do. But that's not the case at all. In fact, it was rather the father. See, he built that house, and in that house he built a table, and at that table he set two places for his two sons. And because of him, they belong at that table. All throughout the Old Testament we see images of people that we call types of Christ, where they lived their own life. David was a historical actual person, but everything that David did was a forecasting and a mirroring of what Jesus did for us. And this is what he's talking about in this parable. In uh, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1-5, through 5, David is taking over as the king, and he's looking for anybody left from Saul's family. And there's one guy left, the servant of the house tells him. It's a guy named Mephibosheth. David says, bring him to me. Now, here's the thing about Mephibosheth. He was the son of David's best friend, Jonathan. And during all this Game of Thrones battle going on, one day when he was a baby, men were coming to kill him, to kill off his bloodline. The maid of the house grabbed him and ran out of the house and fell and crushed his legs, and he never healed. And he was never able to walk. He spent the rest of his life on the floor, hiding in poverty. He spent his entire life in a virtual pigsty, on the ground, living in fear, until the king called for him. And when he was brought before the king, he thought it was to finally be killed, because it's from a different bloodline. But instead, David said to Mephibosheth, no, no, no. From now on, you will eat at the king's table. And the Bible repeats it like the Old Testament always does and said, so Mephibosheth ate every meal at the king's table and stayed in the, holy, er, in the city Jerusalem because he was eating at that table. There's another table that's waiting for you and me. And there's a feast in Revelation chapter 19 waiting for you and for me. And that feast is going to be celebrating the new Jerusalem. And we're all going to be in heaven one day with our Father. But between here and there, he's patiently waiting for one more to come home. Now, usually when we look at the story, we decide which one of the brothers we are for a moment. Let's pretend like we're not one of the brothers, but rather we're people with the knowledge that the Father is waiting for one more to come home. And this week at our school table or at our workforce, Let's think about the people that we're around and not try to decide are they the good brother or the bad brother, but understand rather God loves them and he's waiting patiently. That's my time. Oh, there we go. Here we go. All right, how, how are y'all doing today, y'all? Y'all a pretty lively bunch for losing an hour of sleep. Um, all right, so I'm going to be talking to y'all today about a heart for the father and his house. So we're in Luke 15, like Zach said. We're in verse 25, and it says this. It says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the, was in the fields working when he returned home, and he heard the music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of his servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. See, the older brother was thinking three words that we often say or think. That's not fair, right? That's not fair. Let me tell you something. I know all about that. I'm the middle child. I am a sandwich in between two girls. 
So I know about it when the vote happens, Jonathan loses. So I'll know all about that's not fair, right? And so so the you know the son comes in, the older son comes in and he's like, Man, I've been working all day and who dropped the base? Okay, I'm hearing like, I mean, the bass is going, and he's like, man, they're having a good time. What's going on over here? And then the servant says, hey, your son is, <laughs> your brother is back. And he's like, I know it ain't that brother. I better have another brother for somebody, because no, no. I know we're not throwing a party for that guy, right? And, uh, and so, so many times, you know, you start getting to think about this older son and you know, he's in the fields working. He's doing what he's supposed to do. But see, sometimes, and this is our first point, we can do the right thing, but for the wrong reason. Sometimes we can do what God is calling us to do, but we do it for the wrong reasons. And what I mean by that is in Matthew 6, it says this, it says, watch out, don't do good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. So many times I know in my life I've done stuff and I'm like, you saw that, right? You saw that. We go through life and we, we're like, man, I, I just really want, oh man, I just want somebody to know. We want that recognition. It's a natural thing. We want that attention. But see, what, what we don't realize is that we have to do it in the, in the quiet, in the dark over here. This is, where, this is where God works. Because then God knows we didn't do it for the attention. We did it for him. We did it for him. And, and that is something that, that the older son just didn't realize. He was working in the physical. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing. And then he comes home and he's like what? He's back and we're having a party? Because the, the, the older son replies in verse 29, it says, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one goat for a feast with my friends. Yet this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes. You celebrate by killing the fattened calf. He's like, what is this? And see, so many times, you know, he knew what his brother was doing, yet it doesn't seem that he reached out to his brother. Hey, man, come home. It's better to be, come on, come home. President John F. Kennedy said this. He said, Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. See, we live in a society that is all about consuming things. If I'm not getting something from you, then I don't need you. See, that's what's going on. That's the problem. See, a lot of times, it's about to get real here, we consume church. But see, we aren't called to consume church. We're called to be the church. We're called to be the hands and feet of God. We are the body of Christ. Yet sometimes we just want to consume. Man, I'm just tired. I've been working all week, Jonathan. I've been out in the fields. I just want to sit here. 
But then when we see somebody who we don't like at work, we see somebody who we don't like at school, we see somebody who we don't like on the streets, we say they don't deserve that. But what does the Father want? That's the question we have to ask is, what does God want? What is, what is his heart? What is God's heart? See, see, God doesn't want us to just consume. He wants to go out. He wants his lost sheep, his lost people to come in. He wants to be with them. That is what God wants. We have to have a heart. We have, we have to, this is God's house and we serve God. So how are we participating in that? Not just consuming, but participating. How are we going out into the world and bringing in lost sheep? Because see, thank Jesus that he wasn't the older son. Because if he's up in heaven and he's looking down, guess what he's thinking? They don't deserve it. Why on earth would I do this? Because I'm going to die for them. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be mocked. What? They don't deserve it. And then even when they accept me, they're still going to sin. But yet he sees it differently. Because he sees what the father wants. And the father, what the father wants is to be reunited with his children. So how are we, what are we doing to reunite God with his children? That's our focus, what we have to be as a church, as a body of believers. We need to be going out and having the lost sheep. But not only that, we need to, we need to because Jesus gave his best, we need to give him our best. And that's, that's not only here, it's, it's not about just giving your tithe and offering here at church, although that is very nice. If you give your tithe and offering, I mean, we'll gladly accept. But the fact is, though, is that what also God gave you was your talents and your time. So let's give him that as well for that. And I'm going to end on this. To rephrase JFK's quote, ask not what God and his house can do for you, but what you can do for God and his house. God bless. Don't start my time just yet. Okay. <laughs> I got to preface it just by saying this. Zach gave up a minute and Jonathan left two plus. So I'm going to take up the time. But I forgot to announce ladies meeting right after church. So maybe you came prepared, maybe you didn't. If you didn't come prepared, our ladies always fix more than enough. So be sure and stay for that. So we are talking about the prodigal son and uh, all that stuff. If you look at, and Zach touched on it, but that overall chapter starts out with the religious crowd. And they're pressing Jesus, you know, about who is what in the kingdom and all this kind of stuff. And so he gives these parables. And basically what he's doing is he's bringing it down by fractions. Don't know if you've ever looked at it this way. But he starts out one in a hundred. There were a hundred sheep. One of them went astray. The shepherd went looking for him and brought him back. 
And all the angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner repents and comes back to the Lord. And so, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, we get that. Shepherd, going to look after the sheep. And then uh, he brings it down a little bit further and to the coin. There were ten coins. And one of them got lost, so one in ten. So it's getting a little closer to home here. And if there's one ten, and again, every one of these, you've probably heard me talk about this before. He covers the different ways that we can get away from God. Uh, the sheep, in the first instance, one out of a hundred, he was just doing sheep things. I, I don't know if you've ever met many sheep, but I, I, I've never seen one that was just blatantly evil. Okay? So he gets separated. We don't know exactly what happened. Maybe he was a little rambunctious. Maybe he jumped out of the fence. Maybe he was out there grazing and the rest of them walked off and left him. And all at once, he's out there by himself. So basically, he was just doing little sheep things. Living life. And sometimes we get to live in life and all of a sudden we look up and, and we're far from the Lord. Hadn't done anything necessarily blatantly evil. It's just that we got to live in life and all of a sudden we've gotten far away from God. Can't find our way back. The one coin, the one in ten, lost at the hand of another. Somebody did something. That coin didn't jump off the table by itself. Somebody lost it. And in this day and time, there's so many things going on, so many abuses, so many, so many different ways that by the hand of another person, we, we get separated from God. By the time the average person, the average girl, and even now the guys, it's coming up pretty quick. By the time they reach age 19, three out of every five girls has been sexually abused. In some way. I saw on the news over the weekend that as these migrants who are trying to get here and, you know, we could get into all the politics of that. Yes, they need to come in legally if they're going to come in. But all these girls age 10 and up, they're given pregnancy tests because most of them have been abused by the time they get to this country. So many different ways that people get abused. And because of that, sometimes at the, at the hand of a father, sometimes somebody near to them, somebody maybe that's a, they thought was a friend. And all of a sudden, because of that abuse, they find themselves far from God. And then Jesus brings it a little closer because, again, this is the religious crowd, and they're always ready to project it onto somebody else. What about one out of two? You've got these two brothers and this one goes to the father and do you realize how many of you have given your kids their inheritance before you passed away? Okay, it kind of goes hand in hand. So in essence, this, this younger son going to his dad and saying, I want my inheritance is like unto and literally him saying, I wish you were dead. And the father says, okay, I'll die for you. Here it is. 
And he goes and lives it up, squandering it, prostitutes. We've already covered all the stuff that he did. He, wasn't, he, he, he didn't get in that pigsty by singing too loud in the choir or spitting bubblegum on the sidewalk. He wakes up, and it says he comes to himself. In other words, he had gotten to the end of himself. He thought he was all that in a bag of chips. He thought he could handle it all, thought he could do it his way. I've lived a life that's full, traveled each and every byway. Oh, what's more, much more than this, I did it my way. He'd been on Broadway singing, singing those old tunes like that. He tried to do it his way, and all of a sudden he comes to himself. Oh, good Lord, I've got a long way to go. I, I told my wife, I said, this was harder than studying for a regular sermon. I, I was trying to come at it from so many different angles to make sure we didn't double up. I could have easily made this one big Sunday sermon, maybe even split it into two. So here's the deal. He comes to himself, and he says, you know, I remember whenever I was at home. And this has been over a period of years that he's been gone. It took him a while to live up this inheritance. And he says, but I remember when I was at home that my dad treated his servants better than I'm living. So I'm going to go home and I'm going to throw myself on his mercy and I'm going to tell him that I know that I no longer deserve to be a son. I don't have any inheritance left. There's nothing here for me. But I know that I could be your servant and I know that you would treat me better than I'm treating myself right now. And so you've heard me talk about it before. I believe that dad... Loved his son, and I think every day when he'd walk down to the mailbox, I think he'd walk down that dusty lane to the road, get in the mail, and I think he'd... Not today. Get the mail and go back to the house. I think he did that for that whole time that he was gone. Every day, he'd walk down to the end of that driveway. Could today be the day that my son... I don't even know where he is. It's not like we got Instagram, Facebook. I can't do a find a phone and track his phone on GPS and know exactly where he's at. I don't don't even know where he's at. By him going to a foreign country, it says he went to a foreign nation. And that was the ultimate, like, just totally just dissing his dad. And then that one day comes and he walks down to the end of the driveway and he says, whew. Man, that's, he's about to ride height, but he's skinnier than my son. Could, could that be him? And he gets a little closer, and, and, and we, know the, we know the drill. He tells his servants, get ready, get ready, because my son that was dead is alive, and he's coming home. Get that, get that robe, kill the fatted calf, get it all ready. And the son comes up, and he says, Dad, I know I don't deserve it. And he cuts him off. Won't let him finish the statement about not being his son. And he gives him a hug and a kiss. And he puts his ring on his finger, signifying that he's been accepted back home. Puts the robe on him. I mean, I I would even say, let's get the hose out and get some of that hog stuff off of you first. Amen. But he didn't even bother with that. Hung the robe on him. My son that was dead is alive. And so my question for you, 
Let's see. I got almost three minutes extra. So in the four, five, almost five minutes that I've got left, my question is this. Who was the prodigal? Who was the prodigal? Because see, the prodigal that we call the prodigal came home and he repented. And he got forgiveness for the father and the father had already died for him. So the older son... Here's the dropping the bass beat. What is going on up in here? Y'all having a party and you didn't invite me? Oh, we're having a party for your brother. You mean that sorry rascal came home? Because see, in church world, you want to you get to give your testimony? You want to get invitations to go preach somewhere? You want to get a book deal? Be the, be the one that went out doing drugs, living with prostitutes, shooting up every day. You live it right, you don't get no book deals. You don't get invitations to go speak somewhere. I remember one time, this has been long ago, far away. There was this guy who got saved and he had been the rascal of the whole town. And man, I'm telling you, every church in the, in the city was having him come and give his testimony. And I'll never forget the church that I was on staff of at that time had him come and give his testimony. And this little girl came up to me and she said, I don't guess I'll ever get to give my testimony. I said, why do you say that? And she said, because I got saved real young. Never did anything wrong. And you know what? It, it hit home with me. The deal is we can't fall into this self-righteous thing because, see, here's the deal. The, the, the older son was self-righteous. I've done everything right. I, 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 like you've heard me talk about so much lately, he was nearsighted. He had myopia. Because it was about me, myself, and I. Daddy, I've always done what you said, and I've never strayed, and I never asked for my part of your inheritance. I never said I wish you were dead, and I've done this, and I've taken care of everything, and this rascal's gone all over the world, living it up, and I've been here milking the cows and, and, and taking care of business. And you never once even offered me so much as a, as a, as a little goat. Self-righteousness. And that brings it down, because see, Zach talked about there being three parables in, the, in Luke chapter 15. I think there's four. There's the sheep, that's one in a hundred. The coin, that's one in ten. The two brothers, that's one out of two. And from Luke 25 on, when it talks about the older brother, it's one. And remember where, who he started out talking to, the religious crowd who thought they had it all together and they were serving God and yes they were milking the cows and doing the business but their heart was in a foreign country they were far from God in their heart and the father says 
You've been here the whole time. And you should have known anything I've got is yours. All you got to do is ask. Like when the prophet Nathan came to David and told him this parable about the sheep and and, and, and David says, I'm going to tell you something that makes me mad. And whoever that was is going to have to die. And Nathan tells him, you, O king, are the one. So David's pointy finger had to turn and point to himself. Heard somebody say it a long time ago, be careful when you point a finger because there's three of them that are already pointing back at you. And so my thing is, sometimes in church world, we look at somebody who's been out there doing all this kind of stuff, and we say, I, I'm, serving, I'm serving the king, and I've been serving him for a long time, and, and, and you mean to tell me that rascal contracted some horrible disease, and on his deathbed he prayed and received the Lord, and he's going to get to heaven just like me? Verse 7. All the angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner comes back to God. We got to be careful about our attitudes and we got to live close to God in our hearts. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, thank you so much for your word and how broad and wide and deep it can be. And so, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for, for this team that we've got here. It is a privilege and an honor to work with, with these guys and gals. Miss Erin, she's back there doing the kids. And we appreciate her. Might have to get her up, up here next time. But, Lord, would you help us to be a church that's ready to receive sinners? That was the whole charge against Jesus. The whole thing of the, that started this whole thing was the charge of the Pharisees and the scribes was this man receives sinners. And Lord, that's the only way we can be born into the kingdom is if we realize we're sinners. Saved by grace. So Lord, help us to realize that we're in the same boat with everybody else. Help us to be open to that. And Lord, if there's one person here today that maybe, maybe, maybe they've been that older son. Maybe they've been the younger one. But whichever it is, if there's somebody here today and you say, preacher, I just want to make things right with God. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up so I can pray with you? I just need to make it right with God. Yes. Not going to call your name. Not going to call you out. Not going to call you up front. You don't have to leave where you're at to get to where God is. But if you're here today and you simply say, I want to make it right with God. Anyone else? Very quickly. Yes. You don't have to. There's no formula. There's no recipe. But you can pray at something like this. Father today would you forgive me maybe it's maybe it's not that i'm coming to you for the first time but i'm coming to you with my attitude maybe i have been self-righteous maybe i have judged other people maybe i've pointed that finger and said that's not fair like jonathan was talking about whichever it is help us to be like the angels in heaven and rejoice anytime somebody comes back to the lord
And Lord, if there's things that we need to confess, we confess them right here, right now. Would you forgive our sin? Would you come into our hearts and into our lives? Would you meet us where we're at? Thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for saving us. Lord Jesus, I know what you did on that cross. You're that part when the Father said, I'm willing to die for you. You were willing to die for us. Thank you for doing that so that I could go free, that I could have freedom while I'm here on earth, but more than that, have the, have the privilege of being with you in heaven one day. But while I'm here on this earth, Lord, would you lead me, guide me, direct me, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I thank you for loving me and saving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap for that this morning.